Game one at my highs in the books. Money, 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 Monte in the Motor City. And Adam Silver is ready to lay down the hammer on John Morant. My name is John, and I am your fill-in host for tonight. I'm Detective John. This is The Clinic, all-NBA podcast, and I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you doing, my friend? John, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. What about you, my guy? That is what we like to hear, man. I'm doing good. Thank you. Sammy, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well, man. Playing as well as those Heat role players did tonight, apparently, but let's get it. <laughs> oh, maybe too soon. Maybe too soon. And shout out to Rosa Panther, who can't be here with us, our actual host. But let's talk about some basketball, fellas. So the NBA Finals Game 1 just finished tonight. It was the Miami Heat losing to the Denver Nuggets at the mile high, 104-93. Some notable stats here. So Bam Adebayo, 26 points, leading scorer for the Heat. 13 rebounds, 5 assists. Jimmy Butler shot didn't shoot particularly terrible, 6 for 14, but only had 13 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Gabe Vincent, 19 points. The big... Big zeros here are Max Struess and Caleb Martin, who have been huge in previous series. Struess had 0 points, 0 for 10, and Caleb Martin, 1 for 7. On the Denver Nuggets side, Nikola Jokic doing what he does. 27 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists. Jamal Murray, big game, 26, 10 and 6. Aaron Gordon, 16. Michael Porter Jr., 14. So balance across the board for the Denver Nuggets. So guys, I wanted to ask your thoughts and get your thoughts about game one. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings about the series? Is it too early to, to, to say anything? Do you think there are trends or adjustments that teams can make? Just lay it all on the line for me after game one. I know it's it's the first game, but shoot him. Shoot him my way. Let's let's hear it. Well, I like Denver in five to start the series. This didn't necessarily change that for me. I did think anyway that historically this was just a horrible spot for Miami to come into and I do want to just throw this out there. There's a historical stat out there and I'll shout out Raheem Palmer from the ringer for mentioning this because I've been writing it every series in this playoffs, but teams that win game seven are now 36 and 50 in the following series and in game one they're 33 and 54. They're just in a bad position to begin with if they win that series and come into the next one. On top of that here Denver had nine days of rest and they really didn't look that rusty to begin with. So the main thing I noticed when I saw this is just the size differential between these teams. Denver looks massive next to Miami, but they also can keep up with them speed-wise. So it kind of negates what Miami was able to do the last few series against Boston and prior to that against New York. It just feels like they're finally outmanned and there's a coach that is maybe not on Spoh's level in Malone, but good enough to hang with him without getting outclassed. So this kind of went the way I thought it could. Uh, spread on this game was eight and a half, so it was right along those lines too. But I, I think we stick with Denver in five, but I do expect Miami to come out a lot better to start game two. Maybe they won't win it, but I think we'll see them come out with a lot more energy and a game plan to adjust, namely to Aaron Gordon of all people, who they tried to go small on and he destroyed them. He had 12 points in the first quarter. so. We'll see how they adjust from there, but that was my overall take on this game. JJ, what did you think? So well, before JJ, real quick before I we throw it to you, Sammy, just to add to as a follow up question. Yeah. If Miami were to win game two, mm-hmm. does that change your prediction at all? I still think Denver would win the series. Um, in that scenario, I might go Denver in six, 
but that would be like the extent of how I would change my prediction personally. Okay. Yeah, JJ, turning it over to you, do you think that there's anything, and I agree with Sammy about the size differential here, but do you think there are things, or are there things in this game that you saw that Miami can build upon or change that would drastically help them shift the series in their favor despite their size, physicality, um, deficiencies when it, when, it, when it comes to Denver? John, I think the number one thing that I saw, which was a huge differential, was the free throws. When you have the Heat only have two free throws from Highsmith and none from your starters, that's a huge problem. Jimmy Butler needs to be driving to the basket. We know he could do that. We know he's more than capable. When you have the Nuggets, on the other hand, who shot 20 free throws versus the Heat's two, you could almost kind of say that's that's the game. But of course, there were other factors. So if we're going to diagnose this game. You got to have your role players come through in the finals, especially on road games. And we all know that role players don't really perform on road games. But Struess, like what you said in the beginning, zero for 10. Martin, one for seven. Yeah. Duncan Robinson, one for six. Oh, that's that's the game. That is the game. If those players hit at least half of their attempts, you could say that this would have been a totally different outcome. But we got to give credit to the Nuggets. This was Jokic's coming out party. I I know. We've said that uh, he's had great performances before in the playoffs, but now he's on the national spotlight. He could basically prove everyone wrong or right, depending on what you said about his MVP candidacy. And I hate to even say it, but he's kind of embarrassing Embiid right now. And I know a lot of people are taking shots at Embiid and the Sixers because they're out, but hey man, check it. Everyone's talking about it. Embiid not getting MVP could be the highway robbery of the year. Yeah, and when, and when you talk about Jokic, uh, I think for me also is, is is when you talk about there's a lot of chatter about is there validity in those two MVPs that he won, right? Because he hasn't won a title, he hasn't gone to the finals before this. So I think if he were to win this, if he were to get finals MVP, to me it solidifies all of the achievements prior to this with the MVPs. Don't, do you guys agree with that? Perfect. Hands down. I, I agree with you completely. I think, I don't think there's even a debate right now that he is the most impactful player in the league, personally. And I know that there's Giannis and Embiid and a lot of other talented players, but he just fundamentally has the ability to make everyone better. He always makes the right play and he knows when to go for his own offense. Just the combination of intelligence and just skill that we haven't seen in a long time, I think, has put this to bed. And this run, if they finish this in five, literally can never be debated again, as far as I'm concerned about the validity of his prior MVPs. Yeah, we, I agree. When you have the TV announcers call out, hey, Jokic hasn't even shot the ball yet, and he's been dominating the game, that's a true MVP making his teammates look better. Yep. or be better 
Is there anything... Well, do you think game two, looking ahead to game two, is that a must win for Miami for them to even have a chance of winning the series? I don't think it's a must win just because they're not at home for that game. But if they come out anywhere as sluggish as to, tonight, because I know it ended as 11 points, but this game was never really close. If it looks the same, then I think it's going to speak volumes about the fact that the talent level is just, there's too much of a disparity. So on the surface, no, it's not a must win, but I do think we need to see something from them. And I know that even if they get blown out next game, they're going to talk about maintaining their confidence and what have you. But if they lose by 15 to 20 again, it's got to affect them subconsciously on some level, I would think. Yeah. Do you agree, JJ? Yeah, I don't think it's a must win, but statistically speaking, do you believe that the Heat could win four of their next five as an eighth seed? And you have, you know, we talked about it before, these uh, G-Leaguers starting. I mean, they've, they've proved themselves, but let's just be real. The Nuggets are that much more talented. And the reason that the Heat are here is because they have Will, they have a fight and they have Jimmy Butler. But we're all yeah. pulling for the underdog. So I want to see if Coach Bo could drop a game plan where Jokic is isolated and just get his. And what you said in the last pod, John, which is just let Jokic cook, but guard everybody else. Yeah, I, I you know, in theory, that sounds like a great plan. And I that's what I said in the last episode. But the reality is, I think it's harder than it looks, right? Mm -hmm. Just how good Nikola Jokic is at seeing the court. He's tall. He know he they've played together for many years, other than Aaron Gordon, right? These guys have been together. They know where their spots. And Jokic is the, that smart of a player. But like, but it, I agree with you. I mean, there's no way you're not going to win many games when Jamal Murray's has 26, Aaron Gordon has 16, Michael Porter Jr. has 14. I think Bruce Brown had more than 10 or something. And so that's very difficult to do, to beat the Denver Nuggets because they are very well balanced. So we'll see yeah, what happens, man. And just to kind of, uh, just put the kind of finishing touches on this point, offensively, Denver really didn't play that great outside of Murray and, and Jokic. Like Porter had 14, but he shot something like five of 14. He's not gonna shoot that poorly again, I don't think. I know Gordon went off in the first quarter, but once they adjusted, that kind of neutralized him. KCP only had seven. That's the thing. We did not see Denver's best game here. They did have a little rust. I know they shot 50%, but they only shot 30% from three. And we saw in the last few rounds, they lit teams up from, from three-point line. So I expect that to improve as well. The one last thing I did want to throw back to both of you guys just to get your opinion is it looks like Hero might play game two. Do you mm. think... Tonight, it seems like it would have helped them because obviously uh, Martin and Struis struggled so much, but would that remotely change either of your outlooks for this series if he comes back next game? Well, if he replaces Max Struis, who shot zero for 10, <laughs> then yes, potentially. Nice. Yeah, I, I think it's a good mix up just to throw something out there. I know we've talked about this that we weren't sure if it would be wise to put Hero out there, especially in the finals, after coming back from an injury. But at this point, 
you just might need to use that card and play it just to see how how it is you never know and i know the finals is a place where you don't want to experiment with rotations and players coming off of injury but nick nurse showed the world a few years ago that let's do experimentation we'll do box one that was an obsolete defensive play no one has seen in years and it worked well against steph curry and i think coach po is capable of drawing something up so to answer your question for tyler hero i think it's a card that you might play i'm not really confident in it sammy because i don't know uh Tyler Hero could be hot or cold. True. Yeah, very true. I wouldn't. I would. I would set my expectations. I would temper the expectations just because he's hasn't played since what the first round, and also, literally so one condition- game in the first round too. Right. So his conditioning is no, not going no to be to par. But again, if you have another weapon, and and he's arguably your third best player, right, on this right. team. Agreed. Jimmy, Bam, and then Tyler. So if you have your best player available best players available you should play them so mm-hmm. now before we move on to the next topic i did want to ask you guys what are your predictions for game two which is sunday in denver i'll start here with jj my i'm gonna go with what you guys were saying in the last pod what the saying is uh my head says nuggets win by 10 and I think I'm going to stick with that. Okay. <laughs> Sammy? I think Miami comes out much more prepared. I think the offense is a lot better on both sides, but I like Denver in a close game. Something like 111-107 Denver. Okay. Mm. You know what? I'm going to go against the grain. I picked the Heat to win the series. I'm not going to back down now. I will say never underestimate the heart of a champion. JJ knows this very clearly. Sammy, unfortunately, does not. That's not a knock on your Clippers, or maybe it is. And I will say that the Heat are going to win this game by six points. All right. Now, let us move us on to our second topic here, guys. Monty Williams, who was recently fired by the Phoenix Suns a month or two ago, gets a new job. He is going to the Motor City, the Detroit Pistons, and he's actually becoming the highest paid coach in the NBA. I don't know if that's shocking or not. Monty Williams is a great coach, but he's getting $78.5 million guaranteed, a six-year contract. And there are two additional team option years. So if they do opt into that, the Detroit Pistons, that is, they can make, he could make up to $100 million as a coach. An NBA coach. And we're not talking... Look, there's no knock on Monty Williams, but he's not Phil Jackson. He is not even Eric Spolster. He's not Greg Popovich. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Was this the right move for Detroit? Do you think it was kind of desperate? Um, I know they have a young team. They they have some promising young players. They're trying to build something there. And maybe they thought that getting a coach and getting someone who can lead these young group, these young group of men to play the right way and build and improve. Do you think this was the right move? Do you think he was overpaid? What are your thoughts? I'm going to start off, off this topic with Sammy. Yes to every question you had. Was it desperate? Yes. Was it the right <laughs> move? Also, yes. And I think what this shown that has gone across all of major sports for years, not just basketball, 
is if you're a bad team in a small market location, you have to overpay to get what you want. Now, in the Wait, case of Coke, before you move on to that, I will say, not unless you're the Lakers playing, paying Luol Deng and Timothy Mozgov. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that was, that was just like a glorious game of NBA 2K16 gone horribly wrong. But um, in the case of Detroit, I do not mind overpaying your coach at all because the coach is not capped. And if you right. know that the person has a proven track record, which go back to before Phoenix, Monty used to coach a very young OKC team, or he was an assistant coach there. He knows how to develop young talent. Detroit obviously has not been great the last few years, but they have a lot of great young talent on that team. Cunningham missed most of last year. People are forgetting that. Jaden Ivey had a great rookie year. Jalen Duran looks like he's got some promise. I really like the pieces on that team, and I think you had to nail this hire. Did they overpay him? Sure. I mean, I think if you average out the money there, it's about 13 a year. But who cares? If the if your owner is willing to pay for it, do it. And so I'm I'm all for this move. I think I think it's a great move for Detroit. And I'm curious to see now with how Monty wants to run his offense specifically, what that means for the pieces that are there and how they're going to build the rest of the team around what you would probably classify as those three primary guys that I just named. So curious to see the next steps, but I love this hire for Detroit personally. Okay, so they to follow up that uh, question before we throw it over to JJ is, yeah. they were 17 and 65, 17 wins and 65 losses this year. Mm-hmm. With this hire and with maybe some of their draft picks and some of their the development of these young players, as you mentioned, what do you think their outlook is for the 2023-2024 season, roughly, give or take? Do you think they'd be close to getting to 500 or do you think that's a little too lofty? I think 500 might be a little lofty. I do think that they could jump a good 15 to 20 games just between talent developing, young talent developing, Cade coming back and the coaching improvement. That's a lot of upward trending pieces at once. So I'm going to say I like them to win somewhere between 30 to 35 games next year. Okay. That should be a good positive step for them. That's a solid, that's a solid improvement, almost double. Yep. JJ, what are your thoughts on this hire? Do you think it's... Well, I will leave it to you. What are your thoughts on this hire? No, they they had to do it. They had to, quote-unquote, pay Monty Williams big money. Just like what was Sammy saying, you're going to, I guess, up-and-coming team, a bad team, team that hasn't proven itself, and not to clown, but (laughs) Detroit. I mean, if I told you guys you had a dream job in Detroit and I was going to give you a 30% raise, I don't even think you guys would move there. Not to be an asshole about it, but I don't think you guys would move there. With <laughs> Can a I do the job raise. via Zoom? Just kidding, Detroit. <laughs> and uh, to speak in a poetic justice sense, how hilarious is that Monty Williams goes to the Pistons while Aiden was supposed to go there last year. It just makes me think that uh, Aiden have any desire to now go to Detroit now that his old previous coach that he's had quote unquote beef with is there. I just think that's hilarious. Sorry, Aiden, Monty's there now. But hey, if you want to, do you go? <laughs> Do you think Aiden has the desire to go there? 
I don't know if he does. I don't think Detroit wants him anymore either because they drafted Duran and they hit on him. So that, I think it's a true. mutual thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think so either. Yeah, it'll be interesting with the with the Pistons. I know Cade Cunningham is coming back. He was injured for um, oh, most of the year. Most of the year. Yep. And so the number one pick, he had he showed a lot of promise. He started off slow, if I recall, and he picked it up. So if he can hit that potential, like you guys said, and some of the younger guys, younger pieces, and then you have an established coach in Monty Williams, I, I kind of agree with Sammy. I think they can get somewhere in between 30, mid-30s um, for next season, which all you're trying to do is improve every year. I mean, they, they, they were hoping for Wemby, but... Those low San Antonio Spurs, man. That's something that we could probably talk about for another time. But I'm going to go ahead and, and you know what? We're going to take a quick break here from a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of constantly losing your bets on unfair gambling apps? Our sponsor, Parlay Play, has the best lines to increase your chances at winning it big. Not only does it have great lines, it's, it's also an awesome app with a community feel. Use code CLINICALLNBA for a deposit match up to $100 and a free $5 game on the house. They also have a new feature, Slide the Line, where users can raise or lower a line of their choosing. Pause the pod, get on your phone, and download the app now. Wow. All right, gentlemen. Moving on to our next topic. John Morant, JJ's favorite topic. (laughs) Talks to his kids about it. Everybody. Okay, maybe not. Maybe I'm just lying here, but... So anyways, Adam Silver, before the NBA Finals started, he was interviewed and he was asked about John Morant. And this is what he had to say. Quote, they haven't uncovered a fair amount of new info on the John Morant gun investigation. 2.0. The second one, not the first one, just in case anyone may be confused here. So in terms of the timing, this is the quote. In terms of the timing, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information since I was asked about the situation. We probably could have brought it to a head now, meaning uh, revealed what the punishment was, I would would imagine. But we made the decision, and I believe the Players Association agrees with us, that it would be unfair to these players, the NBA Finals participants, and these teams in the middle of the series to announce the results of that investigation. Adam Silver also stayed, say, said, we don't, know, we don't yet know what it will take for him to change his behavior. I got a lot of thoughts about this, guys. But I wanted to start it off with the two of you. And JJ, I'm going to start off this topic with you. Chill out. So based on these quotes from Adam Silver, what do you think, two-part question, what do you think the fair amount of new info is? Or do you think he's just saying that? And what do you think his punishment is going to be? Well, I don't want to steal any credit, John, but what's been going around, what people have been talking about is what you alluded to in our text earlier today, which is there is some high belief that the lasers that were pointed at the Indiana Pacers employees were actually derived from firearms, which could possibly be a really, really significant lawsuit coming. I mean, when this tweet came out about uh, John Morant, Adam Silver even called out the Grizzlies, saying that they're essentially enablers. And I don't know if you got that sense too, Sammy, that 
That's what they said. But this whole thing coming out before the finals and people like it, it made me feel like Adam Silver is warming up the NBA fans of what's to come. It reminds me when our wives talk to us and we say, hey, babe, are you mad? And then she goes, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I laughed because it's, it's a trigger point for me. That actually is PTSD. But yes. So to answer your second question, I've never seen this before. I've never seen the commissioner commissioner of the league relay info to an NBA uh, tweet. So that's another bad sign. I honestly think it's going to be over 41 games. I'm going over. Sammy, I know you're a bets guy. I'm going to go for the over for 41 games, bro. Sammy, what do you think, man? John Morant, punishment. So what Adam Silver was saying, and I know you mentioned this a little bit, just the the words he's using are so ominous, aren't they? Yes. You don't know yet what it will take for him to change his behavior. Doesn't want to interrupt the finals. Like if this was a five game suspension, they would have announced it. It would have been a one day story and that would have been the end of it. Yeah. So the fact that they're waiting this out, I initially yeah. thought half the season, but it almost sounds like this might be a whole season suspension. And if that's the case, and if we get to that point, because we know Adam Silver's reputation since he came in is being like a player's commissioner. One that backs the players, tries to make sure they make their money, empowers them, so on and so forth. This problem might be a lot worse and a lot deeper than any of us even realize, as bad as it's looked, just in the social media portrayal. So, I mean, whatever he's discovered, I hope Jaw gets it figured out for his own personal well-being, like we've talked about. But I'm starting to think that I think 40 is the floor and this might be a season long suspension at this point. I think that's where I'm at on this personally, John. Oh man. I, I am actually with both of you 100%. And the more I've thought about it, the more I agree because first of all, you don't, the way that he's setting this up, it's like he's setting up the table to deliver this backbreaking news for the Memphis Grizzlies fans and for just fans of basketball, right? Because John Morant, whatever you think about him, he's electric on the basketball court, super entertaining. And then you also add to the fact that outside of basketball, there's there's always debates about guns, firearms and gun violence. It's a very hot topic right now. And regardless of where you stand on the issue, it's something that's very top of mind. It's something that's very highlighted. And so I think there's a lot of pressure from Adam Silver to really make a mark as the new commissioner here. And I'm sure he's heard these rumblings about him being soft and being very more lenient than David Stern. I, I don't think he's dumb. I think he knows that people have been saying this about him. So I think this is an opportunity for him to really lay down the hammer. So I'm with you, Sammy. I am not going to be surprised at all if this is over, if this is an entire season suspension. JJ, you're right. I think it's going to be over 41 games. But you know what? To be a little different and to just give a different perspective, 
I'm gonna actually say it's somewhere in between. I don't think it's, I'll say it's, it's not gonna be full. It's gonna be more than 41. I'm gonna go around 60 to 65 game suspension here. All right, can I throw a little, can we play a little conspiracy theory game here? I just wanna see what you both think of this. So, I don't know if you remember, I believe it was last offseason, Tyus Jones was a free agent. And he had offers to start in multiple places, and then the Grizzlies gave him $15 million a year for two years, which seemed really high for a backup point guard. Do you, either of you think there is any chance that the Grizzlies were aware more so than they've ever divulged about Jaws' behavior, or Tyus Jones was even aware of it, and that this was a contingency plan in case things got really bad. Maybe no one ever thought it was going to get to this point, but in case they needed more than just your standard backup point guard. Well, well, well. <laughs> I want to say yes, just because I love conspiracy theories. I have no basis behind the reasoning, though. So yes, that's my answer, Sammy. I like it. Uh, all right. Yeah, I, I like that, Sammy. I think... I mean, they're... <laughs> You must be stupid. When you draft someone, you not only draft the player based off their physical abilities, but they even have emotional IQ test, academic IQ test, and they have to know how John Morant is on and off the court. Mm -hmm. So like what I said earlier, when Adam Silver calls out the Grizzlies, I'm sure some information came out where he does not really... He's really disappointed on how they basically enabled John Morant. Yeah, yeah man. This is a, t this is a tough one. It sucks. We'll find out definitely in three weeks, right? Less yeah. than three weeks about what this punishment is. But I, I'm with you guys. I think it's going to be a big-time suspension. Significant. And we'll see what happens, man. But again, like Sammy said, we just hope he learns from it. And I think sometimes you just have to come down on somebody and, and really, you know, make the punishment harsh. Otherwise, they're never going to learn. So hopefully he, he learns from it and, and, and gets better before it gets worse. So I'm going to move us on, guys, to our next topic here. The Golden State Warriors already making some splashes here in the offseason and not... For a lot of fans, not for the better. So Bob Myers, the current, and I believe he's still currently in that role up until I think the end of this month, June. He has officially stepped down in a press as he mentioned in a press conference, as the president and GM for the for the past for many years. I think what is it, JJ? The last twelve years. Twelve years, and he's been instrumental and in, obviously in developing a dynasty, right? With Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, um, adding key pieces to the team, obviously Kevin Durant for a time, and I don't know if it, he gets all he should get all the credit. Obviously, obviously Joe Lacob, and you also had Jerry West there for some time. So there were a lot of instrumental pieces, and things had to work out in their favor. But Bob Myers is universally loved and well known, and and just someone who was a part of a dynasty and now he's no longer going to be a part of the team moving forward what do you guys think about this move well 
I think everyone has accepted it. You know, they're not they're not mad at him because he did it for family reasons. Allegedly, he wants to spend more time with his family, just step away from the game. What are your guys' thoughts on the move itself um, for the Warriors? And what is your outlook for them moving forward without Bob Myers? Do you think it really affects them that much? Do you think they're still going to be able to excel as a team and build upon what they have? Um, I'm going to start off here with Sammy, the non-Warrior fan. <laughs> Enough said, right? Um, I mean, it's got to affect them because clearly Bob Myers knew what he was doing. And it's it's easy in cases like this to say, well, the front office already had Steph and Clay and whatever, and it makes the job easy. I disagree with that. I think you have to figure out when you have a uniquely talented individual like a LeBron, like a Steph, building around those guys isn't always easy because you have to find very specific players to cater to those skill sets and bring out the best in both those role players and the star himself i think he obviously did a great job of that not every move was perfect but that's never going to be the case with anybody in a front office role and when you're going away from someone who's been there for over a decade it's a major change in direction even if you're promoting someone who's already been there it's a different voice in the room. It's a different person who has final say. My understanding on this, and JJ, when you discuss this, you can let me know if you've heard the same thing, is that some of the owner's sons might be more actively involved. And when you bring an element like that in, sometimes it works out, sometimes it's horribly bad. I mean, it's, it's hard to say until that person is in the room making the calls. So it's definitely, I think this is kind of a pivot point for this franchise because he also left when big decisions have to be made on two of those big three stars. So... I Do mean, you think he left because that was part of the reason why he left? You, uh, conspiracy theories. People are saying that the CBA, the new rules about and penalties that really affect the ability to get players for great at great value, um, obviously, the the ages of these, you know, key core players. Do you think that played a role? Do you think the family, not excuse, but the reasoning behind the family, you think that's kind of over overstated? I think it might be. Um, I I definitely agree that you're right. I I think that all of us, and when I say we, I mean the entire NBA fan base. I don't think all of us truly understand how impactful that new CBA is. And we won't understand it until we get into the summer. But just listen to some knowledgeable people about it, doing a little bit of reading about it. Teams who spend big, Warriors, Clippers, those types of teams, it's about to get a lot more difficult because there are certain implications that are just going to get taken away. The mid-level exception gets taken away if you go over the second apron. I believe the second apron is 179. Uh, so some teams are already over that. Resigning your players, the cap hits and the repeater tax now it gets into a whole new stratosphere. It, it's starting to sound like the Warriors might need to trade pool, not just because of JJ's general hatred, but also <laughs> because... And Rose. They, yeah, exactly. You but they flat out might need to get under that apron to have any sort of flexibility. And he's the one contract they can do that with. So, I mean, if you're looking at all of your stars on the older side, it's going to be a lot harder to win another title. I can understand it if that's that played into his thinking so i can see it jj talk about how you feel about it obviously but also uh, i did want to ask you when you 
you know, elaborate on this is who do you think would be the best fit to replace Bob Myers? Great questions. So, John, how do I feel about it? It's, it's sad, man. It's like an end of an era. Bob Myers, there are things behind the scenes that people don't know. There's the obvious, the free agency pickups, uh, Andre Udala. Bob Myers was huge on getting KD because he has a close relationship with Rich Klein, KD's um, agent. And then not only that, it's him flipping D'Lo, getting D'Lo when KD leaves with a first round pick, which flipped for eventually Kaminga and Moody. So those are the obvious front office responsibilities. But not only that, man, it's managing these huge personalities behind the scenes. You have these conversations when you lose after game seven and people saying that's the end of the Warriors. You have dealings of Katie tearing his Achilles and Clay tearing his, um, or yeah, tearing his ACL after uh, the Raptors finals and him having to deal with that. And then the season after that, you have the whole Curry injury, Draymond sitting out, they lose to the Lakers in the play-in. And then this year, of course, we have the Paul and Draymond incident. So Myers has been in the forefront of talking to each and every single player and being that liaison of front office and players. And the Warriors are going to really miss that. Um, to answer next question, who do I think would be the next great person in succession it's probably going to be Mike Dunleavy Jr. He's been attending to all the meetings and I don't know if people caught this but he wasn't there when um, Bob Myers had his press conference. He was actually working out players for the draft which is a good sign. So and it comes from the Bob Myers family tree of, uh, of you know when we do talk about player and coach coaching we have the gm tree too so i know dylan levy has been in talks i know that um like sammy said the lake up uh offspring have been mentioned too and the lake of offspring from what has been reported is they've been really brave and courageous and they're not afraid to talk back and provide their input which is a good thing uh Sad, sad day of this week. I'm sure Sammy's pretty happy because there have really been a lot of rumblings that, you know, since Bob Myers is a LA native, he loves LA. It's no secret. He would love to go back to LA. He was Kobe's ex-agent before. So you never know. He has ties to not only LA, but the Lakers. But we know that you love Palinka. <laughs> hey, after this recent trade deadline, I I'm on the Palinka train, man. He, like Sammy said, he's GMs and people in management 
that make those executive decisions, they're not perfect. They're human, right? Just like us. And so they're going to make mistakes. I mean, Bob Myers was part of the reason why Jordan Poole also got this massive contract. That wasn't a great move in a lot of people's eyes, but he's done a lot of things in the past that have been, <laughs> that have, you overlook something like that, right? There are pros and cons to it. So uh, it'll be interesting. But I, I feel like if Bob Myers goes to LA, JJ, that kind of really takes away from the fact that he was mentioning he wants to spend more time with family. You know what I mean? I feel like that makes it look really bad in my eyes. It so does. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to join another NBA team. We, we also saw that with Tom Brady. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Tom Brady is... Yeah. There's that, that's another can of worms that we could talk about for maybe another hour. But we don't have that kind of time, fellas. But I will move us on to our final topic here before we end this episode. So NBA veteran of 19 seasons, Eric Lewis, has been suspended and he will not ref any game here in these NBA finals. And if you don't know the story here, Eric Lewis allegedly, it has not been confirmed, the NBA is investigating, allegedly created a burner Twitter account, right? And the Twitter account is Cutliff Blair. I don't know. That sounds very suspect. Sounds like some sort of exotic <laughs> name. Anyway, I digress on that. Anyway, he was allegedly created a Twitter burner account defending his himself from people on social media who were ragging on his officiating, saying he was making bad calls saying that he needs to be sent out, fired, and never ref another NBA game. And so the NBA is currently investigating, and that's why he is not coaching the NBA Finals, or refereeing the NBA Finals. And one of the uh, major incidents this NBA season was the Boston Celtics-Lakers regular season game. And the reason why I know it so vividly is because I'm still haunted by the game itself. What happened in the final seconds was that LeBron James had an opportunity to win the game. They were down by one. He went in for a layup and he clearly, and I, when I say clearly, I mean somebody blind probably could have seen the foul that Jason Tatum swiped on his arm and made a loud noise, slapping noise. Eric Lewis was literally in front of the play, did not blow the whistle. And it was so egregious that Pat Beverly had to come out with an SLR camera, show the referee, Eric Lewis, that this was a foul, got a technical, and it was just an entire circus show. So, guys, there's a lot to unpack here about Eric Lewis, the, the referee. Do you think it was the right move for Adam Silver to suspend him without firmly and convincingly knowing that he actually did create a Twitter account because it, I didn't know this, but it's against the rules to actually publicly talk about the officiating. And this is what he did. He clearly broke the rules or the contract or whatever it is that referees are supposed to abide by. So my first question is, do you think that it was a val it was legitimate for Adam Silver to do this to Eric Lewis without having evidence or confirming that he has a Twitter burner account? I think this was the best of a bad situation that he could have done because let's say best case, he didn't create the account. This wasn't him. And it turns out he's cleared of everything. 
Long term, it's going to make him look kind of bad, but I think it'll eventually die down. He'll still get heckled a lot, probably by Lakers fans more than anything else, but you think eventually, like, he'll keep his job. Nothing of that nature will occur, right? Worst case, they actually figure out it was his account, and going one step beyond that, he was consciously or subconsciously favoring the Celtics. Adam Silver doesn't do anything about it, and then you have this man refing games in the finals, and they get called in the question going forward. And I'm sure, I mean, it's a long path to get there, but if you're the commissioner of the league, I think you've got to be thinking about all those possibilities, right? I mean, Donahue wasn't that long ago. That stuff is still fresh in people's heads, especially with that documentary out about what he just did. So I I agree with what Adam Silver did here. I, I think it was, on the surface, it seemed like a drastic action, but can't take any chances. Not when it comes to integrity of the game, so... I agree with it. I think it's the right move. Eric Lewis, if you're going to take the time, energy, effort to make a burner account, at least make the responses entertaining. I mean, this was the most boring like response for your own actions. Hey, John, wake me up when Scott Foster... Scott Foster's burner count gets revealed because I want to see what he says about Chris Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry. Scott Foster would, would probably just start cussing left and right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, a, I'm with you guys. I mean, like, first of all, yeah, man, who, who are they learning how to create burner accounts from? Kevin Durant? Or, or maybe, you. or does Kevin Durant? I mean, like it seems like Kevin Durant is better at it. But we all just accuse anytime someone defends Kevin Durant, we automatically assume that account is Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant's burner account. Devin, so, Devin, Devin Durant. Devin Durant. Yeah, at Devin Durant. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, this is just like crazy to me. But I'm with you, Sammy. Like the Donahue stuff. I know it was over what more than 20 years ago at this right? point yeah but yeah people will always still, remember that. people always rem- well sacramento always, always remembers it i got king i got friends who are king's fans who still tell me about it and i'm like what are you talking about i don't know what you're talking about but anyway guys that is actually all the time that we have for tonight's episode it was a pleasure talking basketball with you guys i want to thank you both for being on jj thanks for being on man thanks everybody appreciate you all and Sammy, thank you. Always good to be here, man. Thanks for covering tonight. Of course, my pleasure. And shout out RJ, our video producer. Please check us out on our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. And come find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey.